do you want to actually set up an anchor for your entire audience? Mm. And what's the anchor of? Well, just like the examples I gave you, the anchor should be all examples of a positive emotional state. Hello, and welcome to the Million Dollar Speaker Podcast. This is the podcast where you learn how to become a million-dollar speaker, reach millions of people, and make millions doing it. Hi, I'm R.V. Robinson. I'm the master speaker trainer, international speaker, and author of Speak Up, Get Clients. I'm your host for the Million Dollar Speaker Podcast. And I am so excited today because I have a very, very dear friend of mine and fellow speaker, Matt Browning. So my guest again is the master trainer of NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming, and the host of the top charting, top charting podcast, The Driven Entrepreneur, and speaking of getting booked, Matt Browning is a seminar leader, a TEDx speaker, and a media personality appearing on TV on ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox. Matt helps driven entrepreneurs and speakers grow their businesses by becoming the lending voice in, or excuse me, the leading voice in their industry, and not just another expert. He does this through the power, subconscious, communication, storytelling, and connection. He is also an avid motorcycle rider, church leader, and rock climber. And today, Matt is here to present NLP Speaker Secrets for Audience Connection and Influence. So let's bring to the stage my dear friend, Matt Ronnie, woo! All right, hi, are. Matt. Hey, hi. how are you, RV? Great to I, see you. I'm good. Good to see you. I'm so excited to have you here on this show today. So first question I ask all of my guests, and I know you've got a brilliant answer for this, and that is, what do you think the characteristics are that make a million-dollar speaker? You know, I got to say first, I love the question that it's not a successful speaker or a whatever it is. A million dollar speaker is different than someone who speaks, right? Right. To me, million dollar speaker, a couple things. Number one uh, is on time, always to every speaking gig, early communication, just, you know, knowing that you're someone they can count on. Number two is flexibility. Because I thought about this while I was in your green room flexibility uh, is incredibly important. How many times have we had as a speaker, you know, a schedule changes, uh, your time gets delayed. Can Mm. you go the day earlier? Can you go the day later? Can you go after lunch instead? And I've watched for my own events and events I've been speaking at watching other speakers just lose their minds when something changes. You know what happens? Number one, like everyone's not having that good of a time. So that's not great, right? Your sales are down. But more importantly, it's like they are probably not going to come back. All right. So for me, the biggest characteristic is flexibility. Be nice. You know, don't demand the green jelly beans in your in your dressing room, <laughs> right? And be someone they can count on. 
Right. I so agree with that because it's hard enough for the organizer to, you know, get all the speakers lined up and have everything work right and the audience. And then, you know, they're only going to ask you as a speaker because they need to. They need your help. They need your support. And so when speakers have attitude, I know for me personally as an organizer, I don't invite them back. I mean, you know, it's too hard to work with. So very good point. And you're right. A million dollar speaker is smooth, happy, and they will go with the flow. They are so confident in their information that it doesn't matter. It's just nice. I mean, like you don't have to look any further than The Rock. You know, he's probably the most famous speaker, media personality in the entire world right now. And nobody doesn't like The Rock. He's nice. And you can tell he shows up on set. If they said, hey, we need you to go over here, he'll probably say, oh, no problem. And he'll smile and he'll do the job and he'll do the, a great job and smile the whole time, you know? That's a good example. And so people want to work with him. And then what? He becomes more famous. And that's why he's top today. So excellent. if only he could be more famous. <laughs> yeah, if only he could be more famous. Uh, excellent. All right. So Matt, I know, you know, you you and I, we, we go way back. Uh, many, many years. I don't even know how many now, over 10, right? At over least, 10 or yeah. 20 years. And I know when I first met you, I was invited to take one of your classes, your NLP classes. And I know you're the master in NLP, just like I'm the master in public speaking. But, you know, without getting into all of that, as it relates to a speaker, I know you have a technique and I want to hear your story and how you got in it, but I just want to give the goods. I know you have this technique on stage called anchoring. So if you'll please explain it, tell us how to do it as a speaker and what it does for us. Oh, let, let's, you know what? I love jumping into the goods. That's the best way to start for sure. Um, so NLP is just an acronym that means neuro linguistic programming, if you've never heard of that before. And that's just a fancy way to say understanding the language of our minds. And it's been a study since the early 70s. I've been teaching it for coming up on 20 years now. Mm. Um, pretty incredible system of understanding. And if you understand how the language of the mind works as a speaker, I don't think there's anything more important than that. When you take the stage, you're not performing for an audience. You are communicating and engaging in an entire group's mind language. How are our brains thinking? What pictures are they making in their minds? And then how can you influence that in a positive way for a better experience for everyone? So whether it's, again, for selling or for teaching your content or for connecting for inspiration, motivation, whatever your, your uh, goal is for your speaking, it's all about influencing the language of the mind of the people watching and listening, right? So you asked about anchoring yeah. and anchoring is, is a really, really fun technique that we use in the NLP world one-on-one. -on -one. You've all been anchored before, whether you know it or not, when you hear a song in the radio and it totally takes you back and you're falling <laughs> in love or, or breaking up, or you smell that perfume and you're back on grandma's knee in the farm, you know, <laughs> right. And th those are all anchors and mm -hmm. you can have an anchor. That's a smell anchor an anchor. That's a, an auditory sound anchor, like the music right. you could have a touch, right? Maybe a certain kind of embrace or, you know, your dad used to touch you on the shoulder and, and, and look at you in the eye. And it just, it, it triggers that feeling or emotion mm -hmm. where we use that in speaking is you want to actually set up an anchor for your entire audience. Mm. And what's the anchor of, well, just like the examples I gave you, the anchor should be all examples of a positive emotional state. So what kind of emotional state is where you start with anchoring? What, what state would you want your audience to feel? And then would you like to be able to have them come back there easy later on in your presentation? That's the basis of anchoring RV. 
Right. And that's the purpose of it. So what are some emotions that, that you and I would love an audience to feel, for instance? Well, I would want that. them to feel loved and, mm-hmm. and taken care of. You know, I'm all about building rapport with your audience, even before you deliver the content. So, so I that's a great one. To- Let's start with that. Yeah, let's start. You want with that. The, you, okay. uh, so you want your audience to really feel like they're loved and taken care of, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's a good thing because as a trainer, you do love and take care of your audience. True. But isn't it interesting that somebody feeling that you love them and you actually loving them can be two different things, fair? Fair. Right? <laughs> Anyone you've ever been in a relationship, you know that's true because <laughs> I can say I love you, but maybe they don't feel that in that moment. So right. it's really about connecting what your intention is with the actual feelings on the ground that the audience is experiencing. Mm. So the, the easiest way to do that, and again, in a very positive, very uh, positive intention, influential way, that's what we're talking about, right? Just want to point, put that out there. We're not talking about manipulating people into feeling no. fake feelings, nothing like that. Right. This is about you know bringing an audience to feel something good that they want to feel, and then anchoring that in time so that you can come back to that feeling together later on. So the easiest way to do that, and you might already know this, is through stories. So what I would do is I would come up with a great story or metaphor I can share from stage about a time that I, or someone I love, but mostly I probably, was feeling really loved and taken care of. Okay. So, you know, what story comes to mind? Maybe it's Christmas morning as a kid. Maybe it's a time when, you know, here's a great one. I'll tell you, I'm just making this up on the spot, but I think this is the story I would tell. I'm nine years old going to um, burn survivor camp because I burned my hand when I was a little baby and had many skin grafts and surgeries over time. Mm. What nine years old, I got invited to go to this burn survivor camp for kids. And I was scared. I'm nine. I'm away from home for the first time for a week. Um, I don't know anybody there. And all of a sudden, you know, one of our camp counselors who was a fireman and also a burn survivor, he came over and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he could tell I was feeling a little scared. And he just looked at me and said, hey, we got you. We got you. You're going to be okay. And as I, as I remember that moment, if what if I tell that story from stage like we just did? I already felt the love. Yes. Right? And mm-hmm. now I'm sharing a story of me feeling loved and taken care of in a moment where I was maybe a little uncertain. And shockingly, your audience might come into a new seminar. They might not know what to expect. Maybe they paid a certain amount of money and they're, you know, they're wondering things and they don't know you yet. So I'd start with that story and now everybody feels the feeling. And then the anchoring comes in by telling that story on a particular area of your stage. And this is what's important is for recall. So maybe I go to a corner of the stage or maybe I'll I'll sometimes, RV, you've seen me do this. I'll even come and like drag a bar stool over and like sit on it in a certain area or go sit on the edge of the stage and just kind of share the story. And then I finish the story and I get up and I continue on with the training. Well, if later on I want them to really trust me and feel loved and, and, and supported by me, maybe I'm explaining a program about being part of my community, my tribe, and I really want everyone to know and feel that feeling of love and support, I might just walk back over to that same area stage and then talk about the program from there. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so if you were sitting on the corner of the stage, you would go back and sit down. You walk right back over and sit back down and say, you know, I've had a great time with you today. And I just want to chat with you a little more about how we can continue, you know, our conversation, let's say. I love it. And being part of the tribe. It'll bring back the feeling just like that song on the radio brings Mm -hmm. back the feeling of falling in love. That's a crash course in anchoring. (laughs) You know, I'm telling you, that is a million dollar idea right there. That's a million dollar speaking technique. So anybody listening right now, I want you to try it. Now, in a few minutes, I want to ask you more about 
how you got into NLP uh, for all of our listeners, but I'm coming back to say, okay, Matt, how do you anchor in the visual, in the virtual world? Right. Oh, so we're coming back question. to that. We're coming back to that. So I'll make stay a note. Tuned. I'll make a note. Right. Stay tuned. But right too, now, yeah. you truly are the master in NLP in your field. Tell us that you've been doing it 20 years. Tell us a little bit about how you first got into it, what you love about it and where you're going, because I know even you've transformed and you're, you know, you've taken it in a whole new direction. So tell us a little bit more about you and NLP. How about this? I'm sitting in my friend's trailer because I'm homeless. Homeless? I wish I was making this up, but I'm not. I'm sitting okay. in my friend's trailer. I'm homeless and I'm hungry. So I leave the trailer and I go to this, this house. Nobody's home. And I break in the back door. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, I go into the kitchen and I look around and I found a few extra boxes of Easy Mac. Have you heard of that? The Easy Mac is like the yes, fake I, macaroni and I, fake cheese-like substance I, in it. <laughs> it's horrendous stuff. But I found that and that's all there was. So I, I took the Easy Mac. And I, I, I went back out. I shut the door and I turned around and I looked at my house that was foreclosing that I'd never come back to again. I went back to my trailer with no hot water, no hot gas. I realized how the heck am I going to make pasta? And I open up the box. I take the hard pasta. I take the cheese like substance with some cold water. I mix it up. And I don't know why to this day I did this unless it was so I would never forget the feeling. But I took a big crunchy spoonful of Easy Mac. Oh, God. And that's the day that I said I am never going back here again. I have to make this speaking thing work. I've been trying for two years at this point to become a life coach. And I never made more than $900 in the entire two years doing it because mm. I didn't know how to find clients. I just thought if I was good and if I cared, they would all knock down the doors. Well, I went to work on, on an email and one, and that night, ding, get an email back. And it's from someone in Australia that I met through Tony Robbins. He was running a seminar and said, no problem, Matt. I like you, and I think we can test you out as a speaker at our upcoming event with 400 people in wow. Melbourne, Australia. Think, oh How my are gosh, you going to get it. there? Well, that's the thing. So I scraped, borrowed, begged, didn't steal, but begged and borrowed and got the money for a one-way plane ticket to get to Australia. I show up on the ground with no credit. Um, I have no money in the bank. I'm negative in both accounts. I, this sounds like a movie, but this was my life. And I had $40 cash in my pocket, Australian, and nowhere to sleep. Well, I show up there, and the crazy thing, RV, was there's four days of this uh, mindset wealth seminar. <laughs> I'm an American who's dead broke, but I'm the NLP guy, and I'm figuring out a way, and I'm scratching and clawing in that part of my life. And I need to tell people how to get wealthy, apparently. So I go on on day four after 22 other speakers. Wow. Every one of them, and you'll appreciate this, was selling. They all sold anything from $2,000 to some were selling $12,000 packages in an hour and 90 minutes. And I, I'd spoken like to three people and six people, including my parents, you know, a couple of times. Did I'd you have a package? I made one. I made a package on the plane. Awesome. Okay. Good. I made a package on the plane. It was a long flight all the way to Melbourne. So 
<laughs> I had to figure it out. And I learned NLP. And I, at that point, I was an NLP trainer, but I'd never put on any trainings yet. Mm. Never had the opportunity. I thought, you know what? Now's the time. If not now, then when? They say, right? Right. So I decided to, to put on a training. I scheduled it for after the event. And then I offered my training at the end of the event for 400 people. And from that one talk, I made $58,000 in sales. Wow. And yeah. How, and that was the last it, moment that I ever, that I ever was destitute as wow. a speaker, something changed. And you know, that feeling when you know that, you know, you know, changed. that you know, so how much was it that you sold it for? How much was the price? Was it a $2,000 or four ninety? No, it, it was uh, $4,500. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. Now that's a big leap from being broke and just stepping out and saying, you know what, I'm going to do this. Now, do you suppose that maybe the four days listening to the other speakers talk about mindset helped you in some way? It's quite right? possible. Quite I think possible. Uh, it, it pushed me out of my fear because you know what happened? The very first, there's three other mindset speakers, RV, and the first yeah. one came up and I thought, okay, I've been working on my talk. I know what it is. I have 75 minutes. I'm going to, I got to do this. And literally I have to do this because if I don't, I don't have cab fare to get back to the airport. I have a one-way <laughs> ticket. I can't get back home. I need to nail this. Right, right. <sighs> The very first speaker, who's he's actually a really good friend of mine, and Craig, he uh, he went up and he said everything that I was going to say. I was going to talk about this is a long time ago. I was going to talk about Donald Trump and his mindset of bankruptcy oh, coming no. back. And he came up and said, "You know what Donald Trump knows about money?" And I'm like, "No." And I was going to do this <laughs> other metaphor with these four circles that's been used before in the world. Tony Robbins has used it. Other people have used it. And I'm like, "That's my main meat and potatoes here." And then oh, no. and he said, "Now the four circles," and he started writing it out. And I'm just losing my mind because oh, no. they're doing, he wouldn't, didn't steal it from me. Right. But he's doing right. what I thought my talk was. So right, right. I had to make up a whole new talk, even on the spot, hanging out uh, with the, with their staff in the back room. I came up with a whole new presentation. Talk about being flexible. I had to, when you have to, you will. You had to. And you know what? Probably that new talk, because it was authentically you is what made you all that money. That's it. You know, it, it was oh, something different. Man. It resonated too. I remember because I was talking with the staff and I said, God, I don't know what I'm going to speak about. But somebody asked me, what's NLP? And at the time, the, the movie, The Matrix was still pretty brand new. You know, they did okay. the new one just now, but uh, they had a pretty brand new. So I, I said, well, have you ever seen The Matrix? It's a lot like that where you have this reality, but then your brain is perceiving what, what it wants to perceive. And NLP is connecting the dots to reality <laughs> and what you think is reality. And I started just talking about Whoa. this. And yeah. I looked up two minutes later, RV, this is one of the coolest moments I had in a long time. I looked up and there was two staff and then three. And all of a sudden the whole room, 20 people had stopped working and were turned and like listening. And I thought, I think I have something here. And then wow. I went on stage and I told that exact metaphor. And that's what made it work. Listen, I, adapt, change when you need to, right? I love it. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. So great story. So uh, can I go back, though, just real quick? Because I'm curious. And I don't Let's know if, you did, if this is an NLP technique, you know, where you, where, you know, because I know the story. But I got to go back to the house that you stole the, the 
I knew you would. I knew you would. Because you've never heard me tell that story that way. I haven't. So I know that's an open loop, but I need (laughs) need to close the loop right now. But uh, one, was it a neighbor? Did you ever get caught? I mean, tell us, you know, what happened? So so let me try to to re-say it because I thought I closed the loop. And this is the first time I told it this way. This will be fun. So I wanted to start the story with what you're not expecting. Okay. Which is, I mean, I got you obviously, right. I'm breaking yeah. in this house. And the, the swerve though, is as I walked out of the house with the easy Mac, I looked back and I closed the door to my house that was being foreclosed on. Oh, I never was... went back there again. I broke into my own house that I was losing because I was going broke. Oh, got it. You know, yeah, I, I didn't, didn't, I didn't catch... really break into stealing any, any food from someone else. It was for oh, me. Okay. God, it was from you. And that's <laughs> why. That explains why there was nothing left in the house. Also. That's right. Okay. Yeah. When you said you put you, you turned and saw it, I thought it was like a neighbor's house and you saw your house across the way. Oh, okay. that's good. My, See, that's great brain, feedback. Yeah. My brain didn't catch it. Oh, okay. Got it. Hey, here's another wow. million dollar speaker uh, storytelling lesson is you never yeah. tell the same story twice, but you always make it better. There you go. You always make it better. So let's talk. I want to talk about storytelling. I want to talk about uh, your TED Talk. And then I want to talk about anchoring on the virtual uh, virtual stages. So because we're talking about storytelling, what other million dollar techniques do you have as a master storyteller that you can you know, give us? I know storytelling, and I've shared this with my audiences, that's a trait of a million dollar speaker, period. Right. But like you said, you can always make your story better. But what makes a million dollar story? Not all stories are equal and not everybody can tell a million dollar story. So give us some tips and hints. Well, let's start with with with, with the time we have. I'll, I'll do some some kind of some quick tips, right? The, the big <laughs> kind of the big money changers rather than the entire breakdown of how to create a story. That's something Perfect. I know you do. And um, and that's a longer, great conversation. That's a workshop that you need to get paid, you know, sixty thousand dollars. I mean, it, it, it really is. It really it is. Really I mean, we've both is. done storytelling yeah. workshops, and that's uh, so. There's more to creating it. Um, one of the things, though, that I think it's missed a lot, and Donald Miller says this in his book Story Brand. It's a phenomenal tip: is understanding that your customer or your audience should be the hero in the story, not you. And that right there, I mean, that changed everything. I realized, oh, I need to tell a story about Luke Skywalker. You know, if I'm Obi-Wan, ah. I don't want to tell a story surrounded around Obi-Wan. It should surround around Luke, who's doing Beautiful. the work, and that's the audience is. So, and it might be the exact same story, but repositioning a bit where I think, what do they really want? What are they looking for? What are their goals? What are their dreams? What are their obstacles? And then how can I position a story, even if it's me doing the work, how, how can they relate to my place where they are now? Uh, a couple of quick tips, though, I think would be a lot of fun is this is one I, I hear all the time, like from professional storytellers, professional speakers, because I think maybe there, there's differing opinion on it. Um, but if you listen and watch Hollywood, billion dollar companies, storytelling on stage should be present tense language. It gets missed all the time. And it's not that it in past tense, it's bad. I but so if you, agree with you. If you want people to associate to the story, and this is why from a, an NLP perspective, Present tense language makes it easier for us to put ourselves in the picture. And when you put yourself in the picture in your mind, it's easier to feel the feelings. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you can't picture yourself, if you're what we call dissociated, you're, you're out of the picture. It's like you're watching a show somewhere. It's much harder to feel the feelings. 
Um, you know, you don't have to go any further than think about it. If you're scared of snakes or something, what would be more scary in the moment, right? right. Would it be like imagining like a snake over there or would it be looking right. through your own eyes <laughs> as if a snake is right in front of you? Like what's right. more scary? Associated. How do right. you get associated? Present tense language. Now the, the default is past tense, isn't it? Because every, you know, when you tell a story, it's something that already happened. Right. So the normal English language is, yeah, you know, five years ago, this is what happened. And then I did this. And then I said that. And then he right. did this. So right. it's really easy to break into present tense language. It looks like this. Five years ago, I'm 35 years old. And I walk in the door and you literally go right into. Bingo. Three, right. Remember I said, I, and I break into my, I break into this house and I'm looking, I said, I'm looking around. Not I looked around back then. Right. I present totally tense is probably the biggest tip. Yeah. Right. The other, the other quick thing on stories is um, find ways to use more uh, sensory based language. So don't overkill it though. I've seen that a lot. You know, I walk in the room, I Ooh. smell the stench of desperation <laughs> and I can see the yellow curling linoleum peeling off the, like it's yeah, not a Stephen King much. novel. Okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. But do find places to add in sensory based information. Let us know that the sun was bright or let us know how hot it was in the car. Like if, if you were broke and had no air conditioning in your car because you didn't have money to fix it, tell us about how you're driving down the road and the, the it's rumbling with your bad shocks and your butt's vibrating and sweat dripping <laughs> down your, your, uh, your face because the air conditioning is broke and I'm on the way to this sales appointment. See, just a little bit of sensory based language is going to really punch up the emotions of the story quite a bit. Right. Those are great tips. And I always tell people to, you know, with that be present, you know, be, you know, your audience has not been or not heard the story. They have not been there. You need to be present to take them on the journey with you. Right. Yes. So and I even look if right. they have no one gets bored of your story. No. but You that, You've that's told your story you a thousand times. No one else is bored of your story. I've had clients that are sitting in my room and they've heard my story 20, 30 times. And they always do this. When I start into one of the stories, they sit back and go. Yeah. they right? like, the, Yeah. Like they're like, oh, oh boy, it's story oh. time again. Oh, and I like this one. I know this one. Yeah. You know, yeah, so, yeah. so don't they're, think that someone is bored of your story ever. They're familiar. Those are great million dollar tips. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much. So now. Let's talk about your TEDx talk real quick. And then let's talk about virtual anchoring. And we will we will end with that. So I understand you did a TED talk. So congratulations. Thanks. It was little, so much fun. Tell us a little bit about that journey. You know, what did you talk about? And then how did you feel? Talk about being nervous. Were you a little bit nervous? Was it live? Was it virtual? Tell us a little bit about yeah, thanks for asking that. It was it was a lot of I haven't talked about the TED journey quite a, actually really at all anywhere. So this is an exclusive. Good, you got good. it. <laughs> um, one of the things that it kind of eluded me for a lot of my career, I, I'd been invited a couple of times from people connected with TED events and TEDx events. Um, and it just, you know, whether it's the timing or whatever it was didn't work. And then years went by and I just I thought, you know what, I today's the day I want to do it. So what I realized, number one is um, generally Oprah's not going to come calling and TEDx isn't going to think that you're so cool and you're so good at what you do that they have to have you right. Ted, just like television, just like media appearances, just like, you know, all the rest of it, you have to decide and go after it. So I did. Great. Um, and one of the things I knew is as a speaker, I wanted some good sizzle reel. So during the pandemic time, um, TEDx events were either canceled, postponed for the next year, 
right. or they were virtual and it wasn't even zoom. It was usually you pre-tape and then send it in. And I thought, hey, that's cool because you can put on your bio, you're a TEDx speaker, and that's a wonderful thing. Um, but I really wanted a good video. So I found and waited. Uh, I waited a whole year, actually. They had postponed the event, and I thought, that's, that's the event I want. It was small, probably 60 people in the audience, um, up in a small little rural town up in the northeast of Michigan where nobody goes. <laughs> cool. I mean, it's a great town called Alpena. Shout out to Alpena. Um, but, you know, it's a small town. Nobody goes there. The airport's the size of, you know, a matchstick. It's not that big of a place. Um, but they were filming it with a three-camera angle shoot. And that's what I really wanted was because I want to capture this for and now I have a TEDx talk capture on video for years and years and years we can use. They right. submitted it to the main TED YouTube channel with 20 something million you know, subscribers and it's on there. So that was what I so I just wanted to start off by saying this isn't bragging. It's saying I, I set my intentions of what kind of TED talk I wanted. And that was the first thing to do. So that put me to looking for this particular one. And then the second thing you got to do before you start submitting and checking in is decide what title you want to have. What's a really good title? A TED Talk title is different than any other title, in my opinion. Okay. Like whatever your signature talk or your keynote talk title is, 10 times out of 10, it's not the right title for your TED Talk. What we're looking for in TED is an idea worth sharing. And it's not just how to be successful with your money, three mistakes to avoid with right. no, no getting clients. Work. No, it's too general. It's great for a live audience when you're promoting your business or being hired, but it's, it's not the idea worth sharing, quote unquote, right? So uh, the trick I did is I looked at my last book. You can see it up here if you're watching on video. Check out RV's YouTube channel for Million Dollar Speaker. It's called The Firebox Principle. And mm -hmm. I thought, okay, my TED Talk is going to be unlocking your firebox. What the, that, that wasn't good. And with some help, and I'll shout out my friend here. His name's Adam Lewis Walker, phenomenal, uh, phenomenal speaker and coach. And he's the one, he's a good friend of mine in Michigan who's a podcaster and helped me dial in this TED Talk. And what he did is he said, what are the chapters in your book? What are the most interesting chapters? Do you have any counterintuitive ideas? Any, anything that you could say that's counterintuitive, meaning people wouldn't think that it would be like this. Right. And I thought, well, I got a couple ideas. And one of them was, um, the, it, this is a book about motivational drives of entrepreneurs. And one motivational drive is a significance drive. And I learned that the entrepreneurs that were driven by significance, most of them came from a bad upbringing or they came from having low self-esteem as a kid or something like that. And I thought, oh, what a good title. Our empires built on low self-esteem. And you see how that's a counterintuitive, right? And, and Absolutely. You go, oh. it's, it's polar opposites. Yeah. And it's not what you expect. Wait, an empire should be from ego. No, right. what if it's actually hey. built on low self-esteem? It's an interesting thought. So that was my first one. Okay. And then the guy said, oh, that's pretty cool. And he said, you know, what else? And one of the other drives is called the Avenger drive. And it's about, you know, sometimes uh, revenge or, you know, being hurt can cause you to do good in the world, right? Someone hurts me and I want to show them. So I Abs make a nonprofit. It's the concept. Absolutely. And that's a real drive from a lot of visionaries, nonprofits, and entrepreneurs. Um, and he heard that. This is funny. He said, oh, so I thought, hey, can revenge drive you to do good? I still love that title. And he said, wait, no, what was it? It was the Avenger drive. Is that like the Avengers? And right. I said, sure. <laughs> Because he Drive loved the, the Avengers. Show. Yeah, yeah the organizers loved Marvel. So I said, sure, absolutely. It's right. about. And so I, I actually made a TED talk called Are You Driven Like an Avenger? And then we talked about this is what some of the, I did a lot of TV segments about five leadership mistakes uh, that superheroes make that you should avoid. I like it. 
So it was a fun concept, but that was the idea. So I pulled from all the TV segments I had done about how, you know, the hectic Hulk, Hulk's too emotional or Iron Man isn't vulnerable. He hides behind a mask, that kind of stuff. I so we said, hey, it. don't make these mistakes. Are you driven like an Avenger? And I picked out three Avengers to talk about and made a whole TED talk based on that. And was I nervous? Yes. Uh, yes. Unbelievably nervous. <laughs> the I boss, Bruce it. Springsteen, you've heard him. He said, uh, you know, hey, when I stop feeling nervous before I go on stage, that's when I'm going to quit the music business. There you go. I love it. That's I love from it. the boss. So- all right. So tell us about that experience, though. You you actually walked out on stage, right? On a real stage with and a red dot and the big TEDx letters the behind The big me. TEDx behind you. I mean, I mean, did you feel like for a moment, like you arrived, like you, you know, you're at the top of your career? I mean, tell us a little bit really about your inside, besides being a little fearful or scared. How did you feel like as as Matt Browning, as the speaker, as the storyteller, as the NLP master, how did you feel? By far, walking onto a TV studio, walking onto the TEDx stage, walking onto you know, a, a major, major crowd, a, a large crowd of people, every one of those has a similar feeling. And if I can be really transparent, like yes. extra transparent, I've yes. already have been, but I'll be extra Every time I have one of those experiences, somewhere there's that little boy inside my mind that says, I wonder if they know I snuck in the room. <laughs> you know, I wonder if they know I snuck into this party because uh, I don't feel like I'm the one who should be there. And then all of a sudden uh, the cameras turn on and they enter and they start talking about this guy who's going to take the stage. And I go, that sounds awesome. You. Yeah. Like he's done all these things. That's like really cool. And then I literally, I, I promise you every time. And then they say my name. I'm like, okay. It's an out-of-body experience. And what happens, it's one little thing at a time. It's, it's one speaking gig, and then it's speaking for this place. And then it was speaking at NASDAQ and having my photo on the, bill, the huge Jumbotron in Times Square. And then it was going, getting a TED Talk. And then it was going on you know, a Fox television the first time. And then it was going in like, it, it's one little thing that's mind-blowing. And then you add them all up, and all of a sudden... You are one day you wake up and you become that person that you've been dreaming that you could step in and fill the shoes. Right. And one day you wake up and they're your shoes. Amen. And I think Ted was just one more straw or one more pair of socks in the, in the million dollar speaker shoes that uh, as a boy, I, I, I never expected to have. You know, I'm a kid that, you know, was five years old, standing behind the big oak tree on my first day of kindergarten and not knowing how to talk to anybody and feeling like that all through school. And, and then one day I spoke to someone and then one day I, I, I got booked to speak. And then one day I went to Australia and then one day I did Ted. And then one day I'm on RV's million dollar speaker podcast and, and all the one days add up and you wake up and you are that person. Right. And you truly are that person and humble and loving and a man of man of faith. And you're so much more than, than we even have time to share today, but let's come back to how do you anchor on the virtual stage and any other virtual speaking tips that you might have for us today? So good. I'm glad you asked that. So let's wrap with this one. So going back, we talked about anchoring, right? And anchoring was all about where you stand on stage. You right. stand here, you can stand there. Right. And obviously you don't have a stage to walk around and stand on. So how do you anchor on Zoom? There's only two real ways to do it. It's auditory anchors. So you can come up with, um, a catchphrase. You can come up with a word, a certain way that you say that word. 
Okay. Um, one of the things I'll, I'll always say when I start up a training is good morning, everybody. And then they all learn if they've never been with me before, eventually that's a question. Yes, it is. And the right answer is yes, it is. And that becomes this, when I say good morning, everybody, that actually becomes an anchor where it brings them back to that moment when they go, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it's just a fun way. It's not hype. It's a fun way to anchor in a little bit of excitement and break their state. So you can have like a, a, an anchor phrase. Um, the other way to do it is visual. The second way to anchor on Zoom is visual. And that's with gestures. It's, it's really one of the only tools you have. And as a speaker, you need to use all your tools, right? So, um, you know, I like using hands on Zoom because it's a lot more interesting than this. Because if you just sit here, with your head eventually we're just bobbling heads and again if, if you look at any television segment they they spend a lot more money than we do on like podcasts and youtube and zooms and everything else uh to broadcast because they have to pay for the antennas so what you know from watching morning television is that they're always hands and colorful right you have a great big pop of red on your on your shirt there and like that's a great thing to have so you want a bright color you want to use your hands okay. facial expressions I like, you can say something like, oh, you know what? Ooh, that's a good one. Ooh, and go and, close and, to the camera. Yeah, so you okay. lean in and then come back out. That's where you, yeah, if you head over to RV's YouTube and you guys see this on video, because I'm, I'm leaning into the camera going, ooh, ooh. that's a good one. <laughs> now, here's the trick, though. You don't do it all the time. Right. But maybe every time you say something that's maybe worthy of a bumper sticker and okay. people go, oh, that's good. You know, it's something they want to write down. You just lean in for a second and go, ooh, that's good. I love and that, that. And that begins to anchor the process. So use a, a certain gesture, uh, lean in, lean out, do, do something that's different, that's unique that you don't normally do throughout your speaking. Do that on Zoom only when that feeling comes up. And then the next time you want the feeling, ooh, that's good. Ooh. It'll come right back in. <laughs> I love it. Those are Anchoring great tips. Thank you, Matt, so much. Thank Yay. you. Yay. I love the hand things. Yay. All right. So our time is, uh, is, is ending for today, but this has just been a fabulous uh, educational and experience. And I do want to have you back on the show. So get ready because I'm going to have you back uh, in a few months. But, ooh, ooh, that's good. There we go. Lean in. Do it one more time. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> I love it. I, I love, love it. it. I love it. There All right. Is. But you have so much to offer uh, to our listeners. So share a little bit about your free gift and then about how do people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about NLP or storytelling or even getting on TEDx stages or virtual anchoring. How do they get a hold of you? Oh, thanks so much, RV. I, I had such a blast. I would love to come back. We can hit any subject you want on speaking. Uh, the world is your oyster and I'm, and I'm on the journey with you. Awesome. <laughs> um, so the, the easiest thing that I, I love to do when we're talking about NLP, neurolinguistic programming and speaking, is I just thought instead of giving a, you know, a cheesy little free gift, I want to give you my entire NLP practitioner course manual. Wow. It's the whole manual that I use for our live certification courses. 74 page color manual. You get the whole thing. It's at nlpwithmat.com. nlpwithmat.com. You download it. It's totally free. Enjoy. You also, there's an opportunity. We have a really cool NLP mastery community and you can try that out for like a dollar. It's like a buck if you want to uh, give that a shot and you get access to all my online NLP courses. There's wow. NLP for speaking. There's NLP practitioner, master practitioner, NLP for speed reading, 
bunch of things. So if you want to try that out for a buck, you'll see that opportunity too. Really, really cool. But the whole manual is yours for free. My gift to you, nlpwithmat.com. NLP with math.com. Even the other access for a dollar. Is it just one dollar? Is it a dollar a month? I mean, that's free. Really? Yeah, it's just, it's just just a buck to try it out. You get two full weeks just it. for a buck, and you can. You, I mean, you could binge it. I say it's like Netflix of NLP. <laughs> love it, love it. Well, that's so generous, Matt. Thank you so much, and thank you for all your time and energy and expertise and brilliance today. You truly, truly are a million dollar speaker. Love you, RV. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. That's our show for today. Thank you again for tuning in and tuning back next week. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to the Million Dollar Speaker Podcast. Please hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review and feel free to share our channel with your friends and family. Also, you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn. We would love to hear from you. And remember, you are one step closer to becoming a million-dollar speaker.